It's time for Herd Mentality, the weekly episode where you control the discussion today on Locked On Bills. You are Locked On Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? Joe Marino, author of Go Bills and Buffalo's Run, also the co-host of the Lockdown NFL Scouting Podcast, and I am your host of Lockdown Bills. Want to thank you for making Lockdown Bills your first listen every day, and a big welcome to our everydayers. You know who you are. Those of you who never miss a single episode, I appreciate y'all very, very much. Also, please be sure to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. We're part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Your team every day. Well, folks, this will be our last episode of Herd Mentality before the 2023 NFL Draft on Thursday, but not our last conversation before then. Tomorrow on the podcast, I'm going to give a big dump of all my thoughts uh, leading into this draft, some things that um, have been on my mind here as we are closing the final hours before Thursday night. So that's coming your way tomorrow. And then I'll give you an episode on Thursday as well, Uh, to listen to before the draft, where I really want to focus in on the rest of the AFC, the AFC East. Uh, Not sure if you saw this, but Aaron Rodgers is a Jet. So I want to kind of talk about some of those dynamics for the Bills' rivals entering the 2023 NFL Draft as well. Also, draft night. Join me, Locked On NFL Scouting YouTube channel. I'll be live with Kyle Krabs. We are doing our own broadcast of the 2023 NFL Draft breaking down every pick. We'll have the different lockdown hosts on with us to talk through some of the stuff. And it's going to be really, really fun. Uh, So if you want to see my authentic reaction to what the bills do, tune into that. And I'll tell you what, I'm not somebody who hides my emotions very well uh, in terms of reacting to things. So I'll be very honest with you, which I think I normally am anyways. So uh, come on by for that. It'll be really fun. And, uh, really tapping into the power of the Locked On Podcast Network to really hit everything from every single angle. We'll be live Thursday night, Friday night, and then intermittently on Saturday, pretty much after each round on Saturday, we're going to hop in and do a recap of some of the biggest picks. So Locked On YouTube channel, excuse me, the Locked On NFL scouting YouTube channel. Uh, Subscribe and then join us for the draft. All right, let's get into these herd mentality items. First one here comes from Handsome who says, hoping you could talk about the Peter King mock draft linking Josh Downs to the Bills in round one. Seems a bit high. Also, Lance Zerline said he projected the Bills to make a big move on draft night, possibly a trade-up. If so, who for, or maybe this is more Hopkins-related? Interested in your insight on both of these reports. All right, so here's my insight on those reports. First of all, Josh Downs in the first round, I don't think that would be good value. I like Josh Downs as a player. I don't value him in the first round. He's more of a middle-of-day-two type talent for me and a guy that there's a lot to like, but there's a lot to be concerned about. He's small. He's a guy that had a lot of injuries in college, slot-only type player. Uh, I think he's got a lot of growth needed to develop his route-running technique. He's got all the skills in the world to be a really good route-runner, but I feel like there's Some limitations there just based on the scheme and that Phil Longo offense and not really putting him in great opportunities to showcase all of his skills. So the curve there uh, scares me. 
uh, from a number of fronts. And so I would not love Josh Downs as the Bills' first-round pick. Uh, I think he's more appropriately picked at the end of second round, maybe even into the third round. So uh, I think that would be a reach. Also, the Lance Zerline report, which was he basically said he thinks the Bills are going to make a big splash on draft night. And here's where I go with that. First of all, Lance Zerline, one of the best in the business, uh, somebody that I highly respect. I have a lot of good football conversations with him um, You know, throughout my career. He's been very, very gracious with me. He's very well connected. He's got great sources. So I, I would believe things that Lance Erline says. And Lance is very deeply rooted in Houston. Okay. And there's two players here that are relevant that have deep Houston ties. One of them being Ed Oliver, the other one being DeAndre Hopkins. And so I just kind of piece all that together and think it has to be something to do with trading at Oliver, trading for DeAndre Hopkins, something along those lines, but obviously we'll find out on Thursday. Next one here comes from Chris. Chris says, my question is now that we are less than a week away from the draft. Who is a draft prospect that you are much higher on than the consensus seems to be and why? Also, who is a draft prospect who you are much lower on than the consensus is and why? I'd be interested in hearing your thoughts if you'd like to use the question for the show. And yes, I would like to use the question, Chris. So here it is. A player that I'm higher on, player that I'm lower on, I'll tell you what, I'll give you three. Players that I think I'm higher on than the consensus, Matthew Bergeron, offensive tackle Syracuse. I've got a first-round grade on him, and that wasn't hard for me to get there. Watch the tape, the physical skills there, great makeup, dominated at the Senior Bowl. I'm not sure what's missing. I think he's going to be an outstanding NFL starting offensive tackle. Um, so that's definitely a player I'm higher on. I can't tell you why other people aren't higher on him. Don't know what it is. I think he's awesome. Uh, Nolan Smith, this edge rusher from Georgia. I think he's a top 10 pick and I wouldn't think twice about it. I think he's a quicker, more flexible version of Hassan Reddick, but like a billion times better as a run defender. I think he's a top 10 pick all day long. And then Keanu Benton out of Wisconsin, another player that I think ideally he'd be a second-round pick, but if the Bills picked him at 27, I wouldn't be mad at all. I think he's versatile, athletic, has good hand moves, wrestling background, high character, great frame. I love him. As for players I'm lower on, Bryce Young, quarterback Alabama, I'll tell you what, I'm just not oozing over this guy like I see some people. He's 5'10", 190 pounds. There's a path for him being a great player in the NFL. I'll let some other team figure that out. 5'10", 190. 32% of the pressure he faced in college last year was his fault for holding onto the football. He has an average time to throw of over three seconds. That's a recipe for disaster for me. That small with that level of relying on improvis- improvisational skills, right? Wants to play off script a ton. I don't know. He's not for me. Somebody else could figure him out. I'd go with a different quarterback if I were the Carolina Panthers. Um, Again, I think there's probably a path for him to be a really good player, but it wouldn't be for me. I mean, this guy plays from his tippy toes. Watch him play. He drops back in the pocket, gets tons of depth he can't see, and he's on his tippy toes. I think there's a massive concern about how his game translates to the next level. Kalijah Kansi, the defensive tackle from Pitt, sub 31-inch arms, 280 pounds. I mean, are we living in a world where we have designated pass rush specialists? On the interior? Is this, is this a thing now? I let some other team figure that out. And the other guy is Quentin Johnson, the wide receiver from TCU. I recognize the physical skills, 
some really exciting plays at TCU, but I don't think he's a great separation guy. His best skill is yards after catch. Hands are inconsistent. Ball skills are inconsistent. I don't know, big 12, big-bodied receiver that didn't necessarily show dominance at the catch point at the college level that needs a lot of growth as a route runner. I'd let somebody else figure that out as well. So those players could all be really good. They are just not for me. Next one here comes from Harry. Harry says, I listened to the Lockdown Mock Draft all weekend while cranking out yard work. Uh, Believe it or not, I did too. I'm not kidding. I was uh, in my yard this past weekend pulling weeds and, uh, you know, getting some things taken care of that I needed to, and and I listened to it, and and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Uh, Kerry goes on to say, I got to be honest, this draft has me spooked for all the outliers. Me too, Harry. Prototypical size, weight, length is all over the place in the first round. I feel like this further suggests trading back is the correct way. Give yourself more cracks at hitting on day two. What is your ultimate analysis of this class? Do you think we'll be we'll see more classes like this in the future? Basically, more high ceiling versus low floor versus blue chip prospects. I'll tell you what. I think there's just some uniqueness to this crop of players. I have one guy that has an actual top ten grade, and that's Jalen Carter out of Georgia. And even him, there's concerns there, right? Maturity concerns, major red flags that you got to be mindful of. Um, And so, yeah, I think it's weak at the top. Um, I don't think there's a ton of depth. Like in general, I think at some positions, there's a lot of depth. Cornerback is loaded. Edge rusher is loaded. I think it's a good wide receiver year, but there's also not premium talent at wide receiver. And there's a lot of niche players. Um, I, I do have a lot of concerns about the depth of this class. And I think a big reason why, uh, and, and I think this may happen for a couple of years here, is just normalizing things coming out of the COVID year where some players were able to take advantage of an extra year of eligibility. I think it kind of set off the balance of the typical talent pools that are coming into the league. So um, there's ways you can help your football team in this draft. I, I certainly believe that. It's 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 meaningful. I'm not saying, like, throw all your picks to the wind, um, but – you know, it's definitely a, a class with a, a really different makeup than we're used to seeing. I mean, a 5'10", 190-pound quarterback is going to go number one. We got a 280-pound defensive tackle with sub-31-inch arms that's going to go pretty high. I mean, Emmanuel Forbes, 166-pound cornerback, he's probably going to go in the first round. There are just a ton of size-deficient players uh, in this draft that are going to wind up being high picks and uh, I think when you count on exceptions to be answers, you, you're playing a dangerous game. And um, it scares me in a lot of ways, this draft class. But again, there's certainly ways you can get meaningful players. And and I don't think that's an excuse. Brandon Bean needs to go out there and find some guys that can really help this football team now and in the future. All right, folks, got a bunch more to get to here in a second. But first, I need to tell you about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the planet. And look, they're delicious and they're healthy. It's this unbelievable needle that they've been able to thread at built.com. They taste great. It's like you're eating a candy bar, but they're good for you. So why are they so good? Well, first of all, they're covered in 100% real chocolate and they come in amazing flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, cookies, and cream. Great flavors. Brownie batter. That's my favorite, but um, they're also healthy. They have low sugar, low calories, high protein. So if you're looking for more lean protein in your diet, we all should be. Check out Built bars. They are awesome, delicious. And look, you can go to built.com and order them. Use our promo code lockdown 15, get 15% off your next order, or you can get them off the shelf at your local Sam's club or Walmart. Check them out. They're awesome. You'll thank me later. 
The next one today comes from Bills WZA, who says, can Terrell Bernard get better? You shared your evaluation evaluation of his rookie tape, but that was based on a very small number of snaps in his rookie season. You've also talked about how players don't typically reach their full potential until their third season, so we should should so should we be giving him more of a chance? I realize he's not going to get bigger and consistently stronger, but can he develop more skills to be become a more effective player for the Bills in the future? Yeah, he absolutely can. There's nothing definitive that we can glean from Terrell Bernard and the limited amount of snaps he played as a rookie. Now, I think where I get discouraged in forecasting Terrell Bernard is layering together what we saw from him as a rookie and the player I watched at Baylor, right? So I have a pretty good sample size of Terrell Bernard playing football that doesn't move the needle for me in a big way as a Mike linebacker. And that's the role that we're envisioning for him for the Buffalo Bills. And so that's where I get concerned. And so, yes, there's absolutely a path for him to improve. The book is far from written, and he deserves that opportunity to prove that he can be an answer for this team as a top 90 pick. But I I feel like layering together the player watched at Baylor and the way I felt about him coming out of college with the player I watched as a rookie with the role that he's going to be asked to play, it doesn't move the needle much for me, but boy, do I hope I'm wrong. Boy, do I hope I'm wrong. I hope he's an amazing starter for the Bills. I hope I buy his jersey one day. I hope he's everything they imagine him to be when they drafted him and more. I just have my concerns about that actually happening. Brian says, what do you think is currently the deepest position group on the Bills? What do you think is the thinnest position group on the Bills? I like this question a lot. I think the deepest is corner or interior offensive line. I think you've got I think you've got a bunch of guys that can start at both spots. I mean, interior offensive line, your your starters obviously Bates, Morris, and McGovern, but you got David Edwards behind those guys who is absolutely an NFL starting caliber player, in my opinion. You got Ike Bucker, who's been a nice backup for this team. And you got, I mean, David Questenbury has played some some interior. You've got Tommy Doyle who's getting trained up on the interior. I, I feel good about that group. And in corner, I mean, you got Trey White. Kyrie Elam was your first round pick last year that showed a lot of promise. Christian Benford, Dane Jackson. I mean, that's four deep there and guys that like can play. I think that's really good. I mean, safety as well. Where Poyer and Hyde, and then it's Taylor Rapp, who I think is an NFL starter. Damar Hamlin, who's Gained a lot of experience as a young player. Cam Lewis is your fifth safety. That's pretty strong. I think for the thinnest groups on the team, tight end, I mean, you're one snap away from Quentin Morris as your starting tight end, and behind him, you have nothing. I mean, the Bills are probably going to draft a tight end this week that's going to make the team as the tight end three, maybe even the tight end two. I think linebacker is really thin because I don't see a starter at Mike linebacker. And so that obviously gives me uh, a lot of reason to think that that's super thin as well. And I think you can make a case for defensive tackle. And most of that's rooted in my concerns about Tim settle and my concerns about Jordan Phillips being available. And you're one snap away from some other guy having to be part of the rotation and playing 25% of your snaps on defense. So that's where my mind goes when I consider the deepest and the thinnest position groups on the team. 
C and D says two things. Firstly, why do you think we have not heard much uh, talk about Khalil Shakir, whether it be increased role in the slot or taking over on the outside next year? Secondly, what are your thoughts about the Bills beefing up at defensive tackle, rolling with uh, Dotson or Bernard at Mike with more three safety looks? All right, so let's talk about the Khalil Shakir piece of this conversation. I feel like I've tried to push that as much as I can, even especially yesterday on the podcast where I said, look, if Khalil Shakir was in this draft, and because I use numerical scoring that you know can carry over year to year, Khalil Shakir is my wide receiver seven in this class. And he's already been on the team for a year and has been trained to play in the slot and outside and should really be able to build upon that game experience he had last year and go to the playoffs. I mean, the guy caught some passes in the playoffs, only 10 during the regular season. But in the playoffs, his opportunities really ramped up. And so that, to me, is so important in this conversation, and I'll get into it a little bit more tomorrow. But for all the panic out there about wide receiver, this guy's still there. Plus, they signed Trent Sherfield and Deontay Hardy, who I feel like they have some pretty robust plans for at least Hardy. Oh, by the way, Diggs and Davis are there. I'm, I'm not as concerned about receiver as a lot of people are. I'm really not. And, and a lot of that is because of what I think Khalil Shakir can do. The other part of your question is about rolling with uh, Dotson or Bernard beefing up at D-tackle. Look, if you're going to roll with Bernard, you better beef up at D-tackle because you're going to have the two smallest linebackers in the league on the field in Milano in Bernard. And you kind of factor in Taron Johnson as that other quote-unquote linebacker, and you've got the smallest second level in the league. You better get some beef up front if you guys want them to be uncovered and be able to play fast and use their range to their advantage. You don't want those guys dealing with a ton of contact. So, yeah, if you're doing that, you better find a little bit more with that D-line. All right, folks, we got a bunch more to get to here in just a moment, including dueling mock draft submissions from a father and daughter for the third year in a row. That's really fun. Coming up right after a very quick break. All right, the next one here comes from Drew, and this has become a very fun tradition here before the draft on the podcast, and I'm glad that Drew was able to uh, send this in. And uh, here's what Drew sent in. He said, it's time for the third annual dad-daughter draft duel. Here, my daughter Lexi, who's in fifth grade, and I both make mock drafts, and you decide whose draft would be better for the Bills. Usually, Lexi likes to trade up for offensive weapons while I trade back for linemen. You preferred my draft the first year, and Lexi's the second. Now it's time for the rubber match. I feel a lot of pressure about this. I'm not going to lie. I guess maybe because I have a daughter. I don't know. Um, I hope one day I'm doing dueling mock drafts with my daughter. That's so cool. I love that, Drew. I love that. Thanks for thanks for including me in this. This, this is super cool to me. So let's uh, let's share the two mock drafts. And and next year, Drew, I do have one request. Don't tell me whose mock is whose. All right, we can figure that out afterwards. Um, because I felt myself wanting to I, look. Drew, you're at a disadvantage. I want to pick Lexi. I really, really do. Um, so next year, let's see if we can just have them, me not know whose is whose, and then we can figure it out afterwards. Uh, but Lexi submitted the following. Uh, at pick 28, Jack Campbell from Iowa. 
And then there's some trades here. I don't have all the terms of the trades. But at 59, wide receiver Marvin Mims from Oklahoma. So far, so good, right? I like those players. 64, defensive tackle Keanu Benton out of Wisconsin. That's an incredible top three. I love that. And then at 91, Tank Bigsby, the running back from Auburn. Drew, a.k.a. dad in this scenario, has the Bills moving back. And at 42, they get Brian Brzee out of Clemson, the defensive tackle. At 45, Josh Downs out of North Carolina. At 59, uh, Keanu Benton, again, Wisconsin defensive tackle. 130, interior offensive lineman Ricky Stromberg out of Arkansas. 137, tight end Luke Schoonmaker from Michigan. And 205, Nick Herbig, which is like a hybrid edge linebacker out of Wisconsin who's going to go way higher than 205. Um, And so now I have to decide which one I like. First of all, I like them both. These are both very good submissions. However, I feel like I get more from Drew's draft. Obviously, Jack Campbell and it being Lexi's draft makes me want to pick that one. But I get answers here at defensive tackle, wide receiver, tight end, and Nick Herbig, who I think can be a hybrid linebacker rush player. The Bills can use him like they did Lorenzo Alexander. With Lexi's, I love Campbell, Mims, and Benton, but I just get a little bit more from Drew's draft. And so I got to go with Dad. Dad's up 2-1 to one now. Looking forward to next year. It was close. Lexi, great mock draft, but I feel like because I just got more players that fill more roles, I went there. And, and look, if you told me the Bills' first three picks were Campbell, Mims, and Benton, I'd probably be doing backflips because I'd be so excited about that. But I still get Benton. I get Brzee, who I really like. I get a receiver. I get a tight end, and I get a meaningful linebacker slash rush player. So we're going with Drew this year. Next one comes from Chris, who says, I've gotten some criticism for mocking defensive backs to the Bills with their later picks. Do you think there's any chance they spend a third or fourth round pick on a DB? I think of it as I think of it more as a move to get some competition for their nickel position, but also to get some security with Tredavious White. So first of all, of course there's a chance the Bills can pick a DB in the third or fourth round. I, I certainly think that. I don't know that I'm on board with the rationale here. I think the Bills are absolutely in love with Taron Johnson as their nickel player. Um so I, I don't I don't see the need for competition there. I mean, they, they have depth. They have Saran Neal. Cam Lewis is cross-trained to play in the slot. I think Dane Jackson can play in the slot too. Plus, you have three safeties in Rap, Poyer, and Hyde that have slot experience. So I'm not sure if I'm on board there, but also security for Trinidad White. I hear you on that, but I mean, Dane Jackson, Kyrie Elam, Christian Benford, that's a ton of security already for Tredavious White. And so the rationale I don't really side with, but using a middle-round pick on a DB, I mean, I I can't eliminate that. I don't think they should. I feel like the Bills have good depth there, and like later picks might make more sense uh, for DBs, but it's certainly possible. Next one here comes from Jason, who says, Jack Campbell, as a prospect, seems to check all the boxes, size, athleticism, production, and tangibles. Etc. Yet on most experts' rankings, 
he generally falls outside the top 40. We know off-ball linebacker has been devalued as a position, but in the past few years, we've often seen top off-ball linebackers ranked higher and get drafted first round. Do you think the consensus rankings on Campbell are mainly about positional value, or is he not as strong of a prospect as others in recent years? Thanks for a great podcast. Thank you, Jason. I've not looked at a ton of draft rankings this year, to be honest with you. I've looked at mine, and I've looked at uh, Kyle Krabs, who I work together with uh, on the Lockdown NFL Scouting podcast. We both have Jack Campbell as a top 25 player. So I can't tell you why other people don't value him there, but I can tell you that I do. And I think what this really comes down to is scouting in a vacuum. And when you scout in a vacuum, and you're being mindful of all 32 teams, you are not getting specific enough to differentiate your rankings from how they will look different from team to team. I mean, there are 32 different draft boards that are going to be used this weekend. There is no such thing as a consensus big board. It's going to look different for every team based on what they value. And so I think in a vacuum, a player like Jack Campbell might get moved down. But for some teams, he's going to be a lot higher. I don't know. I, I, to me, I've talked about scouting. It's about risk assessment. You're, you're looking at a player. You're, you're looking at everything that they bring to the table. The production, the size, the athleticism, the strengths and weaknesses. You're measuring that against historical norms. And you're trying to give yourself the most likely path to get a player that can help you. And when I put Jack Campbell through that lens, poking holes is very difficult. What are the holes that you're going to poke in Jack Campbell's game and his resume and his package as a prospect? What are they? That's what gives me a lot of comfort in valuing him where I do. And so if somebody doesn't have him ranked high, then they got to explain to me what's missing because I don't know what's missing. I don't think he's a top 10 player. He's not a Roquan Smith or a Tremaine Edmonds or a Luke Keekley or anything like that. And you know, there's certainly tears within the guys I just mentioned. But I think this guy can be an above average starting Mike linebacker that makes plays, but also gives you the intangibles, leadership, communication skills that you really need from that position. And because I think he could be an impact starter and do all that stuff, Take him at 27 and don't think twice about it if you think that's your guy. So there you have it. Tomorrow on the podcast will be, I call, I'm calling it a thought dump. I just have like, I have it. If you saw a piece of paper in front of me right now, you'd see what I'm talking about. I just been writing down random things that have been on my mind as I've navigated through, of course, evaluating the prospects, evaluating the team needs for the bills, other teams, all that type of stuff. I'm going to give you a big just dump of thoughts tomorrow on the podcast for how I think the Bills should attack this NFL draft. So come on back for that. And then, of course, we'll have, like I said earlier, a Thursday podcast, and then we're going to react, right? We're reacting to what the Bills do each day of the draft. So plenty of content is coming your way over the next week, right? So make sure you're subscribed. We'd love it if you took a second to rate, review, share the podcast. Have a great rest of your day. Go Bills, and I look forward to catching up with you again tomorrow.